and he was reading the book of Isaiah. And uh, Philip comes up to him and says, you, you know what you're reading? He said, no, I don't know what I'm reading. How can I know unless somebody tells me? And the Bible says Philip sat down with him, and he preached unto him Jesus. <laughs> oh, Philip was filled with the Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, that's what's important, even in building for kingdom growth, in going out soul winning, in teaching a Sunday school class. It is not what I can do. It's what the Holy Spirit of God can do. I'm telling you, if it's up to one of us, we're in a mess. But the Holy Spirit of God can do things we never dreamed possible. Not only was Philip filled with the Spirit of God, Philip was obedient. God said, go, he did it right then. God's going to tell some of us to do some things in these days ahead, and we're going to talk ourselves out of them. We're going to say, that just, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, but God has a plan. God's got his plan lined out. There are folks in this church that God's going to use like never before. And I'm praying that you'll do like Philip and just say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, here am I. I'll go. And then Philip loved people. He loved people. I got to thinking in my life, the, the real truth is, I, I'll just be honest with you. I, I, I got so old, I, I don't even want to hang around lost people. I don't want to hear them cuss. I don't want to hear their bad attitude. I don't want to listen to their stinking thinking. I just soon, I'd rather be with the family of God than anything else. But all of us are going to heaven. And there are people outside here that are lost going to hell. And do we really love people? <laughs> I mean, are we sensitive enough to just look around us and say, look, these people need Jesus. And I read an illustration this morning and uh, oh, it, it said, and, and it just hit home to me because we've got so many people right now going through cancer. That it just, I mean, it just, it's just mind-boggling. But this illustration said this guy would knock at my door and say, I'll tell you what I've got. I've got a 100% perfected cure for cancer. And here it is. And he hands it to me. What, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to go back inside my house and say, well, you know, I've got the cure for cancer, but if anybody wants it, they can come find me. I don't think so. I think the first one I'm headed for is Moselle. Then I'm headed over to Bob Chucky's. Then I'm headed to little Cody. I'm headed to Mason. I'm headed to all those that, that I know have cancer. And I said, here's the cure. And yet, there are people in this world that are going to get far worse results than cancer when they die and face judgment without Jesus. And we've got the answer. We know what the solution is. We've got a 100% cure. It's Jesus. The Bible says Philip preached unto him Jesus. Mm. Well, anyway, I won't charge you for that. That's extra. I just, uh, I just, it's just free. It's just free, all right? Some people think you never get anything free, but that's free. In Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46, the Bible says, And they came to Jericho, and as he went, and if you notice, we skipped over to chapter 16 for Easter Sunday, that's resurrection. 
So I won't preach that sermon again when we come to Mark chapter 16. You've already heard it, unless I preach a different one. But, but anyway, now we're back to where we were in the, in, the, in the rhythm here. They came to Jericho, and he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people. Blind Bartimaeus, a son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto the Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. <laughs> wow. I, I remember, I, just like yesterday, and some of you, you remember this too. But in November of 1979, a group of I don't know, 300, 400, 500, something like that, in Iran, attacked our U.S. embassy. And they took 52 hostages. 444 days later, they turned them loose. The difference in them keeping them and turning them loose, these hostages were released within the few minutes of the time that Ronald Reagan was inaugurated as president of the United States. It would seem like the, the Iran people said, you know, we'll deal with Jimmy Carter, but we're not going to deal with Ronald Reagan and because he's a man of action. And I, I'm not knocking either one or whatever. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that was the survey out that Ronald Reagan is one of the top presidents because he was a man of action. Now, some people get kind of skittish when you talk about Jesus being a man of action. But I want to tell you, Jesus, you find it over and over again. He got up in the morning, he communed with the Father, and as soon as he communed with the Father and that was over with, he was on the go. He healed people, he touched people, he made the blind to see, he cast out demons, he even rebuked those. And, and, and literally, the reason they called for him to be crucified is because of the actions he was doing. He, it wasn't because he'd done anything wrong, it was because of what he was doing. People follow men of action. That's why there's so many cults today. I'll be honest with you. People get fed up with religion sitting around talking about all we're going to do for Jesus. And then we don't get anything done for him. And so a cult leader comes in and he's charismatic leader and he's got charisma and he's a man of action. And you'll find people following him lock, stock, and barrel. Now, th this is a, a story here. Uh, just three, three points here because I'm a Baptist preacher. Uh, the first one is what Jesus heard here. 
uh, our story says Jesus came in and he went through Jericho. Now, he went through Jericho because he was on his way to Jerusalem. He's already cast his lot that I'm going to Jerusalem. And he's told the disciples, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be treated. I'm going to be crucified. But I'm going to be buried. And then on the third day, I'm going to come back again. But he was determined to go there because that's where the ultimate fight between life and death was. So Jesus is headed to Jerusalem, and his disciples were not only the ones following him, but the Bible says a large crowd was following him. Now, he heard the crowd. You, you want to know what crowd noise sounds like? It's it, 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 boisterous, and uh, I was sitting with a group of 13 preachers yesterday in a little fellowship hall, and uh, man, I, <laughs> you, you couldn't hear it thunder in that place, and one of the preachers uh, didn't say much, and and he, he finally just said, he said, guys, I'll be honest with you. Uh, he, he's a Vietnam veteran. And he said, I really need to go get hearing aids. But he says, uh, when I'm in a group like this, I just hear all this noise. And I don't know what anybody says. I have no idea. I can't figure out what somebody's saying. So I just sit there and smile and say, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and just go like that. He said, I have no idea what I'm saying yes to. But crowds are like that until... They all speak the same voice. And then you can understand them. The same voice. So picture in your mind this multitude. It may well be that some of the people are talking. Others trying to demand Jesus pay him attention. Others jockeying with the disciples. Trying to gain a special place there. But whatever is happening, this blind man, identified as Bartimaeus, is heard by some of the crowd crying out to Jesus. And they go to him and they say, hey. Hold, hold your peace. In other words, shut up. Keep your mouth shut. We ain't got time to fool with your kind today. Jesus is here. And we're, we're here busy. But they rebuke the needy man, telling him to be quiet. But now don't miss this. We always tend to listen and follow with the crowd. And in story after story in God's Word, we're given a, a, a picture of how the crowd rarely gets it right. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you remember when the little children were coming, the disciples said, mm, leave them alone, leave them alone. They got it wrong. They missed it. They missed the whole boat. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come to me. Remember in Kadesh Barnea, the Jewish nation, when God told them they didn't need a king, and they said, oh yeah, we want a king. We want a king. And God said, all right, I'll give you a king. They got it wrong. They didn't need a king. Kind of makes you worry about our nation's republic and democracy. And that's another message. I won't get into that. So he heard the crowd. And then the Bible says he heard the cry. Now, we can't say for sure if it's a crowd, if it's a cry of Bartimaeus that he's heard. Uh, son of, uh, of God, have mercy on me. We don't, we don't know if that's what he heard. Or if he heard the other part of the crowd saying, be quiet, Bartimaeus, leave him alone. But whatever he heard, we know that Jesus heard the cry for help. And I want to tell you, that never changes. Never. Anytime there is a legitimate cry for help, Jesus hears that cry. 
He always does. It's always documented in Scripture where he does. Anytime. His hearing is tuned to the desperate call of the human heart and soul. And when, when Barnabas cries out, there's no mountain too big. There's no problem too big. There's no hurt too deep that he cannot hear. He hears it. And personally, I, I believe it's a con content of Bartimaeus' cry that reaches his heart. He's, his words are Jesus. That's his humanity. Son of David. That's his heritage. Have mercy on me. That's his heart. <laughs> so he's crying out to Jesus. And Jesus comes in human form, though it's through the lineage of Abraham and David, for the express purpose of offering mercy and peace and hope and help and a life. So he heard this man's cry and he responded. What do you hear? He hears a man crying and he responds. But then secondly, not only what he heard, but what he saw. Now, I, I, I was over at the funeral this afternoon and I don't know if any of y'all are from Louisiana, or Shreveport area or anything, but Brother Billy Crosby preached the funeral for uh, uh, Barbie's daughter, Billy Crosby, used to be pastor at Summer Grove. Uh, there's a tremendous man of God, 83 years old, still sharp as a tack. And he told about that story about he went in, a true story. He went into a hospital here last week to visit this preacher, and he said, uh, Billy, you think this is me, but this is really not me. And old Billy said, you know, I thought this guy's done lost his marbles. He said, no, he said, look over there on the table. He said, my eyes are over there. My ears are over there. My teeth are over there. He said, this really isn't me right now. I'm really over there on the table. <laughs> so not only did Jesus hear with his ears, but then what does he see? He saw the crowd because they're traveling with him, but the gaze of Jesus is never overwhelmed by the crowd. See, we're overwhelmed by the crowd. We're overwhelmed by the crowd. I prayed, God, would you give me sensitivity? And he hasn't, I, I don't have it. I don't have it. I look at a crowd like we had Sunday morning, and all I see is overwhelmed with the crowd. And, I, and I'm trying to focus in to see people individually. I'm just overwhelmed with the crowd. Jesus is never overwhelmed with the crowd. He always looks in individually to see the needs. And he saw a man with a name. His name was Bartimaeus. Scripture tells us that. And his daddy's name was Timaeus. And the text confirms that there. And he knows it's a man with a name because Jesus knows everybody's got a name. <laughs> he doesn't see us as a crowd. He sees us as a person. Uh, you remember uh, in the uh, 19th chapter of Luke, uh, much like this here, Jesus is walking by. And remember what he sees? He sees in that 19th chapter of Luke a guy up in a tree. He don't say, hey, man, see, that's what I do. I can't remember names. I was sitting there a while ago thinking, now that's Cindy, but I can't remember that other one's name. And, I mean, I've been here 13 years. I know Amy as well as I know myself. Uh, I can't, and so I say, hey, man, come on down out of that tree. Not Jesus. Zacchaeus, come out of that tree. I'm going to your house today. He called him by name. Uh, in, in the 11th chapter of John, uh, Jesus stood at the grave of his dear friend Lazarus, and he called him by name. So we may not know names, and we may look at crowds, but Jesus knows every name. He knows every hair on our head. 
He knows everything about us. Man. So he saw a man with a name, but he also saw a man with a need. It didn't take a whole lot of perception to recognize that the physical need of Bartimaeus here was blindness. Uh, he was sitting in a place of high traffic, uh, begging by the side of the highway. I'm sure he had a cane. I'm sure his eyes were, were not right either. You could look at him and tell, hey, there's something wrong with him. Uh, he's got a beggar's tin cup in his hand. That, all that bears witness to his need. His blindness here is seen as a physical need, but blindness also is a spiritual need because the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded many people. We wonder, how in the world can people do some of the things they do? They've been blinded by the God of this world. The God of this world is Satan. Now, God has ultimate authority. I totally agree with that. But I want to tell you, don't you ever underestimate the authority that the devil is going to have. He misuses his authority and deceives people into thinking he's got authority. So here's the deal. Jesus sees it matters not how long we've played our church games or, or he, he sees our spiritual blindness. We were sitting out there, standing out there a while ago, and Brother Greg was leading us in that circle. <clears throat> and uh, we, we were talking about the action of building this new building and how our children need these resources and these tools and everything. And uh, I, I was at a revival service last night in a little church. And uh, there was a guy there that he, he was in a lot of need. There's no doubt. He, I thought about him as Bartimaeus. He had eye problems. And uh, so Brother Herman was preaching. Brother Herman gets up. And he said, he called the guy by name. He said, he needs a set of glasses. And they're going to be expensive glasses. He said, I want us to take an offering up. And uh, we're going to help buy them glasses. And then Herman said this, whatever we need that we don't take up, I'll pay the difference in. I mean, you know Brother Herman. That's just how Brother Herman is. I'm telling you, we walked out of that building that night, and I overheard, I put in a $20 bill, and Mark Umble was sitting by me, and he put in a $20 bill. And when we walked out of that building that night, one of the deacons said, can you believe we got $40 tonight in the offering? And I looked straight at Mark, and he looked straight at me because I knew I put in 20, and he knew he put in 20. Everybody talk about what we're going to do, and then nobody does it. Now, I want to tell you, the Lord knows our heart. And that's what this building for eternity, let me tell you, it has started out better than any building program I've ever been involved in in my life. You know why? Because there's a man that has a vision to make it a, a matter of prayer. And the whole thing's about prayer. When we begin to seek the face of God and do what God asks us to do, God comes through. God comes through. It reminded me last night, we were talking about it over coffee, and, and uh, I said, you know, I remember that illustration of when the king was coming to town, and uh, the village was a very poor village, and nobody had any money or anything, but the king was coming to town. And so they decided this, that everybody 
would bring a cup of their finest wine. And they would all bring it from all over town. And they would put it in the vat together. And when the king came, they would give him some wine out of that vat. Because it would be the very best wine of everybody all over the whole community. But a couple of them thought, you know, everybody else is going to bring the wine. So I'm just going to have water in my cup. Nobody would never know the difference. Until the king got there. And they drew the cup of wine out and it was nothing but water. Everybody had brought water. <laughs> Whoa. Wait, now, now listen now. The Lord knows that. He sees. It doesn't matter what we say. He knows what we're doing. And that's what's important here. Brother Vernon said a while ago, earlier on, I, I don't know if he was wishful thinking or what, but uh, Sunday night it was we were doing the Lord's Supper, and the deacons were in there, and I said, Guys, this bottle of grape juice here has been here several months. So I said, use it first. And uh, they looked at it, and it was a little bit out of date. I mean, you know, those dates don't mean a whole lot. And, uh, but anyway, they used it first, and then they went on. Well, when I went to drink my cup, if you noticed, I got choked. <laughs> and those deacons behind me started laughing because they thought, he doesn't got the fermented wine, you know. And I'm sitting there. And I'm thinking, don't make a joke now. This is a serious time right now. So I didn't. But Vernon said, you know, he thought today that, that, that maybe, uh, uh, you know, it would be a time if I did choke to death right then. What better time to die than taking the Lord's Supper and he'd call you home? I said, well, you know, Vernon, I've never thought of it like that. I, I wasn't thinking of it like that. God knows every one of us. He knows. Now, let me tell you the third thing I'm through. Not only did Jesus hear not only did Jesus uh, see, but then you got to look at what Jesus did. He heard, he saw, and then he did. He's on the go, as he always is. He, he stops to take in the situation. He always does that. And then he takes action, just like he always does. Look what he did in verse 49. He called the blind man to himself, just like he calls each one of us. Now, just kind of ringing in my mind, uh, probably Jesus heard this man's cry for mercy, but he didn't speak to this man directly until the man responded. Think about that. Instead of Jesus calling the blind man to come to him, he told others, probably his disciples, but somebody there, he told him, he said, bring him to me. Bring him here. Bring him here. Hmm. Do you know the Lord could save souls without any of us? He don't need us, but he's chosen to use us. So it's important that, that we, that we uh, in, when we're dealing with salvation, that we not only pray for lost souls, but we pray, Lord, use me to help win those lost souls. God alone has the power to save, but for whatever ch reason, he chooses men to call others to himself. That's, that's a great mystery in the Bible. Uh, I, I think maybe the reason so few are being saved today is because maybe some of us aren't calling folk like we used to. I mean, back in the 50s, in 54, 55, 56, Southern Baptists were baptizing twice as many people in those years as what we baptize now. 
and we just had 4 million Southern Baptists in 54, and we've got 17 million Southern Baptists in 2017. Wow. Uh, one of the desired outcomes of a church is we've got to be careful. I have to be careful. I want to be involved in the things that are going on. I want to make a difference in the life of people around us. But I want to tell you the real truth of the matter is God didn't call us to change Washington or change Austin. God called us to spread the gospel and to tell people about Jesus Christ. Now, we need to be doing those things as we're going. But we can't say, well, we're going to be a church that's going to major on helping people and then turn around and not give them the gospel. Let me ask you, what good does it do to feed somebody a meal if they're going to die and go to hell? The social gospel's not where it's at. We need to be telling people about Jesus. I love what Brother Clark does. When we give folks uh, uh, groceries or whatever, he takes them one-on-one -on -one and witnesses to them. And you'll see him sometimes bringing people into church and all. You know, and you think, well, I wonder where in the world they come from. They come from Brother Clark. He brought them in. You know, it's not enough just to feed people. We've got to give them the gospel. And then... He cured the man. He called the blind man, and then he healed him, transformed him. And the question which Jesus asked, he said, what's your most important need? What do you need most? Now, that, that's a question the Lord doesn't have to ask. He already knows the answer to it. It's kind of like the stone being rolled over the tomb. The stone was not uh, removed from the tomb to let Jesus out. It was removed from the tomb to let the people in, to see that he was already gone. Paul tells us to examine ourselves and to know ourselves and to make sure we're in the faith of Jesus Christ. Now, I find it ironic here, too, that Jesus didn't spit in the dirt. He didn't touch this man's eyes. He didn't give any potion or anything, you know. He's done all that before. We've seen him do that. But in this case, he said, go on your way. Your faith has made you whole. Wow. Wow. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And then the Bible says, Mark writes, immediately he recovered his sight. That's huge. That's big. But I want to tell you the biggest thing here. Look at that last sentence. Immediately he received his sight. And he followed Jesus in the way. You say, what, 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 what do you mean he followed Jesus in the way? I'll tell you what it means. He followed him to the cross. Jesus is on his way to the cross, and he followed Jesus in the way. You won't ever have eternal life until you come by way of the cross. That's the only way you'll ever have eternal life. This man followed Jesus in the way, it, it literally on his road to Jerusalem and to the cross. It always leads, when we follow Jesus, always leads to the cross. I find myself enjoying singing about the cross, but I don't enjoy journeying to the cross near as much as I enjoy singing about it. Because the cross always represents death. Always rec represents sacrifice. Self-interest, sin, all of those die at the cross. That's where real life is discovered. Father, thank you again for the joy to, to be here in this service tonight. Thank you for each one of these that are here. Thank you already for people all over this uh, place tonight 
that are hearing the gospel, I pray that you will speak to hearts and that, Lord, your, your son would be lifted up high and adored and magnified and glorified as only you deserve. I ask you, Lord, to, to just be with us as we walk through this life. I pray, God, you would help us to die to ourselves and to be filled with your spirit and to walk in your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much for being here tonight. All right, don't forget, if somebody still wants to go on the cruise, I think there might be a room left or so. Uh, you can call and you can still sign up and leave with us at 6 o'clock Saturday morning and be in the Grand Cayman by Monday and uh, enjoying life. Man, I tell you, it's going to be great. God bless you. <laughs>